Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Hey, Cecilia. Oh, What are you doing? Hi, Pastor Dave. Come join me in the boat. Okay. Um, you're fishing? I am. Oh, this is fun. Huh. You're going to catch me fish and make me supper? <laughs> no, silly. I'm fishing for ideas. Oh, ideas? Yeah. Oh, 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 there. Wait, wait. Ah, oh, oh, look, this is beautiful. Yeah, we're going to talk about the apostles, right? Okay. Well, I wanted to learn more about them. Okay. So I thought, what better place to do that than here in the room 4216 fishing boat? Okay. Well, they are fishermen, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You went fishing for ideas. and Okay, let's go to it. The Apostles. No matter which gospel you look at, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, the first apostle in the list is Peter. Peter first was introduced to Jesus, actually, by his brother Andrew. And by the way, did you know that Peter is actually his surname? That is his last name. And Jesus gave Peter his surname. See... People get their got their surnames when they were adults. Uh, it was usually something having to do with uh, their occupation, maybe a physical characteristic, or their personality. And so uh, Peter was Cephas, that's the, the name in uh, Aramaic, and uh, that translates to Peter, which means the rock in uh, English. Yes, yes. So th- 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 thank you, Cecilia. And so Jesus says, "You are, yeah, you already did all that." Well, um, after that first introduction, then um, Peter and Andrew, uh, being fishermen, went back to their profession of fishing for a short time. Oh my gosh, I learned so much about fishing and, boats. Uh, well, oh. well, you see, there were these uh. wide, shallow boats, and they were usually. Uh, crewed by six to eight people. And then there were the fishing nets. The fishing nets, um, one of them was about 12 feet around, and uh, they they threw that over the fish, and it had leads on it that, that helped to, to anchor it and sink it over the fish. And then there was one that, that had to be handled like by two boats, and it was about 1,500 feet across. And that's what they would use to drag the, the lake or the sea and... Wow, that must have been huge. Um, yeah. Well, it was while they were fishing the second time, and Jesus was teaching, he asked if he could be in Peter's boat. And, uh, in fact, uh, we read about this in the Gospel of Luke just a while back, and um, that uh, while pushing out, and he taught them, and then to say thank you, Jesus said, put down your nets again. By the way, did you know that Peter and and Andrew had been looking for the Messiah ever since they were boys? They went to school starting at age six, 
and they were taught their letters, and they were taught their letters specifically so that they could learn to read scripture. And then they learned, and at about age 13, they became fishermen then. Um, and by the way, their, their mother allegedly was named Joanna, and uh, so, and their father, we don't know, oh, well, his name was Jonah, um, and we don't know if they had any brothers or sisters, but, 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 so um, do, that's how do, they became fishermen. I see. And, and do we know what his hobbies were? What was his favorite food? And no, we don't know any of that. How do you know all this stuff? Tradition. Hmm. Well, when Jesus had them toss down the nets and they caught a huge amount of fish, as you pointed out, they were very interested in, in devout men wanting the Messiah and Peter realized it was the Messiah, and so he said, go away, I'm an unclean man. And Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And they literally left their boats, and they followed Jesus from that point on. St. John Chrysostom A.D. 344 to 407, a bishop of Constantinople wrote this, I wish that it were possible to meet with one who could deliver to us the history of the apostles, not only all they wrote and spoke of, but the rest of their daily life, even what they ate, when they walked, and where they sat, what they did every day, in what parts they were, where they lodged, to relate everything with minute exactness. Wow, that is exactly the way I feel. That is interesting, but unfortunately we don't have something like that, do we? No, we don't. We do have tradition, though. You mentioned that before. Tell me, what is tradition? In this case, tradition is anything that is a written document outside the Bible about people and places. Uh, we can't say that it's 100% accurate, but we do believe that most of it is accurate, and so it helps us to get a flavor of what things were like back then. Hmm. In fact, I've read some of these uh, things called tradition, and it's kind of obvious when it's not true and we can get into that more with other books, but especially when it notes the people, it, like you said, it gives us a flavor, a, a little bit of an idea then, who they are and what life was like for them. Mm -hmm. And we have people that screened their sources. Uh, the, first, the first important person to write about the history of the church was someone named Eusebius. He was uh, uh, died in uh, 339 A.D., uh, he was a bishop of Caesarea in Israel for a quarter of a century. And um, he was very careful with his sources. He noted uh, which ones were um, not quite so reliable. In fact, he was a friend of Constantine, the oh, emperor. Oh, yeah. And Constantine was the emperor of Rome who made Christianity legal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Eusebius had access to Bishop Alexander's library of uh, Jerusalem, mm. uh, which was an excellent archive of, of uh, Christian material. Sadly, that 
those documents don't exist today, but thanks to Eusebius, we have some of it. And we have, okay, yeah, we have some of it as he quotes it. Excellent. Thank you. to Peter, though. Ah, thank you. Yes. Shortly after Peter started following Jesus, after a, a day of ministry, Peter wanted to show the Lord hospitality and so invited him to his house. But they found when they arrived that Peter's mother-in-law was very sick with a fever. And my guess is they were going to have Jesus go somewhere else because when you got a very sick person, you need to be hospitable mm-hmm. and it's just hard. But Jesus stepped in and took away the fever. And so his mother-in-law immediately got up and was able to serve. And that story is found in Matthew 8. By the way, we do know a little about Peter's wife, not much. Oh. Um, it's said that her name was Perpetua. Perpetua is a Roman name. And uh, she wasn't Roman. Uh, she probably took that name later uh, when she and Peter went to Rome. To Rome, sure. And uh, we don't know how many children they had, but uh, it's said that they had at least one daughter. Mm-hmm. Her name was Petronilla, uh, meaning daughter of Peter. Uh, tradition has it that she was crippled by a sickness mm. from the age of 10, permanently crippled, and that she lived into her 60s. Uh, there's even a tombstone somewhere uh, in uh, Rome uh, that has her name. It's Petronella, daughter of Peter. And uh, so she died um, in around the year AD 98. That's interesting. Here's Peter who helped many people. We'll find another story mm-hmm. from Acts chapter 4. They met a lame man on the way to the temple, and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And yet, Peter had a daughter that was crippled and would not be healed. It says something to us that all sicknesses are not instantly taken away, but we have to have faith in the Savior who does take away the worst crippled of all our sin. Hmm. Interesting. It says something to me, too, that Peter did not throw his daughter aside, but mm. loved her because uh, she was obviously associated with him and went to Rome with them and, and mm-hmm. it, you know, died there. Mm-hmm. So he didn't Indeed. throw her aside. The next time we see Peter um, showing up in a significant way, they were going across the Sea of Galilee, and they saw Jesus walking, and they were terrified. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter said, well, if it's you, then have me come out and walk. And so Jesus said, come. And so Peter walked on the water, but when he took his eyes off of Jesus, hmm, that's that lesson. <laughs> yeah. He, that's when he began to sink, and Jesus picked him up and said, oh, you of little faith. That's found in Matthew 14. Shortly thereafter then, Jesus asked, So who do people say I am? 
And most of the disciples are kind of hedging. Well, some say a prophet. Some say one to come back. Peter, though, he said, bold Peter. And this is what we find about him. Bold and brash and willing to step out. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what's amazing here, Jesus called him a rock when he first met him. And here he says again, on this rock, I will build my church. A little bit of, of dispute here. Is it meaning Peter? Or does it mean the confession he made? Mm. Either way, it's saying something significant. And it plays off of that word. First time when he said, Peter, uh, your name will be Peter. It's a little stone, a pebble. Here in, uh, it says, though, you the, upon this rock, meaning mighty, firm stone, I will build my church. It's found in Matthew 16. <laughs> The next event where Peter shows up, as it's recorded in Matthew, is in the next chapter, chapter 17. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, went up the top of a mountain, and Jesus was transfigured. I've always kind of been confused about the significance of the transfiguration. Um, it, it seems to go by so fast in the Bible. First, we've got the four of them up on the mountain and and Jesus is is transfigured he's uh he's he shines and then all of a sudden Moses and Elijah are there these people who were long dead and they seem to be talking with Jesus about something and the disciples are filled with fear fear and awe and and Peter manages to speak up even out of his fear and says Oh, Lord, how good it is for us to be here. Let's make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I think that that he thought that they would all stay there, and, and maybe they would learn not just from Jesus, but from the other two prophets. Mm. Well, then it seems like it's his words that stop this whole wonderful thing. <laughs> the bold, brash Peter, yeah, who does stuff, all of a sudden he says something and poof, it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah. It's just no more. And then they have to go down the mountain. And What's interesting about this really is it's it's kind of neat as we look at the, the, the from Peter's point of view. He stepped out on the water in chapter 14 to say, I believe you are powerful and controlling of wind and wave and can walk on the water. So much so that then in the next chapter, I'm sorry, two chapters later, chapter 16, further in the events of, of ministry, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's saying, you are the Messiah, the one who's going to save. Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to show you who I really am. And so that's why they went on the mountain, so Peter could really see what he just said. But Jesus This is now about Jesus, not Peter. Jesus wasn't going to stay there. That's why he didn't want the shelters, the booths. That's what Peter wanted. Jesus' purpose was to save sinners, to help people. And that's why they came down the mountain right away and had a mess of a trouble on the bottom. 
But then Jesus went up a different mountain, and that was Calvary, to take away Peter's sin, your sin, and my sin. There are several more times Peter is mentioned, but I think really the next significant one is the night on which Jesus was betrayed. They were at the Passover meal. Uh, Jesus had instituted the Lord's Supper. Judas had left. And then Jesus once again predicted his death and resurrection. Peter boldly said, though everyone leaves you, I will not leave you. And Jesus almost like, oh yeah, well, tonight... You actually, you're not only going to leave me, but you'll deny me three times. This is recorded in Matthew 26. After a few more words, they went out and uh, they went to a different uh, area to pray. And uh, when Jesus was done praying, his disciples were with him and then came the crowd to arrest him. And uh, there was a bit of a skirmish there. Peter, he actually pulled out a sword and cut off a servant's ear. Some people think that this means that Peter was a thug, a brainless thug. And that's, I don't believe is true. I think that Peter really did love Jesus and wanted to protect his friend in any way he could. Almost trying to say, you see, I'm not denying Jesus. I'm, I'm trying to help. Uh, But that wasn't the kind of help Jesus needed. This again is in Matthew 26. Jesus was then taken to the trial. And while he was at the trial, Jesus was kind of, Peter was kind of following along to see if he could hear what was going on. So he was outside the the courtroom, uh, outside in a courtyard, warming his hands over a fire. And three times people said that, uh, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? At first he tried with, nope, nope, I'm not, never heard of him. Second time, I tell you I'm not. Uh, third time, it said that he used some pretty bad language. And uh, then the rooster crowed. Yeah. A different gospel notes that Jesus was being uh, taken away at that point, and he just looked at Peter And it says that uh, Peter went away and wept bitterly. This too is found in Matthew chapter 27. I can so identify with Peter. So often I want to speak boldly for Jesus. I want to find that chance to to witness for him, to to tell others about him. And then I get into a spot where I have the perfect chance. And what do I do? I deny Jesus. I lose that chance. And I, I feel terrible. Yeah. the highs and lows of Peter, from the bold, brash man who boldly spoke up for Jesus 
to the one who denied and wept bitterly. The rock had crumbled. But Jesus knew who he was and knew that he needed to restore Peter. And so, after the resurrection, which Peter saw, which Peter knew, which touched his heart, certainly, Jesus went out of his way to help Peter. After they were fishing, and Jesus was, in one of his appearances after the resurrection, making them a meal on the shoreline, we find in John chapter 21, a very interesting way in which Jesus helps Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus went out of his way to make sure that Peter knew he was special, that he had a calling. Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And I can only imagine that, especially around Jesus, Peter felt ashamed. And that led him to feel awkward and embarrassed. Now, he's asked to let down the nets again. This time, the nets don't break. The first time this happened, he acknowledged him as Lord, but he didn't really understand who Jesus was. Now, he can truly acknowledge he is Lord. And Jesus doesn't stop there with just another catch of fish. In the words that Jesus used for Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, and the questions, they're very unique and special. Oh, explain that, please. Yeah, in our English, it just says, do you love me? Do you love me? Mm -hmm. In the Greek, there are several different words for love. Uh, Philios is a brotherly love. Therefore, Philadelphia is... uh, The city of brotherly love. Right. Is that like the love that uh, I might feel toward you or toward my housemate or someone like that? Correct. It's a friend type of love. Okay. And then there's other words for family love. Then there's the uh, emotional erotic love, and that's where we get eros, and that's actually the Greek word eros. Mm -hmm. And then here's what Jesus has been saying. Do you agape me? And that's a... I what? Agape. Agapos. It's give self-sacrifice. And Peter would have realized when Jesus said, do you self-sacrifice for me, love? That that's what Jesus just did on the cross. And Peter said, well, you know I philios you. 
Mm. I'm your friend. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And again, again, do you agape and Peter Phileas? The third time, and this is where Peter was hurt, Jesus said, do you Phileas me? Are you my friend? And Peter was very sad that he changed the word. But again, he said, you know I, Phileas, love you. So Peter never did say, you know that I agape you. Correct. He never did. (laughs) And really, which one of us can really agape? Jesus can. He's the one who died on the cross for all our sins. It is his love that forgives us. That's the agape love. And Jesus was doing two things here. One, pointing out that though Peter had failed him and didn't sacrifice but denied him, Jesus was still his friend. And then secondly, Jesus was saying, I agape you. Ah, so even though Peter had denied Jesus three times in front of lots of people, and he couldn't sacrifice in that perfect way, Jesus still wanted him to know that he was called and that he was special. Just as all of us are called and all of us are special to him. And that's how God sees it. Well, Cecilia. Yes. It's time we have to stop for today. No! I know we have more in Peter, but we're going to have to wait. And some impressive, important things that we don't want to shortchange by just rushing through them. So next week we'll pick up with Peter and another apostle, I'm thinking. Maybe his brother, Andrew. Until then, we'd love to pick up with your notes, if you'll write us. You can do so at info. I-N-F-O. At not-alone. N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E. Dot net. N-E-T. Kind of like the fisherman, you know? The net. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, we are are not not alone. alone. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits. Brent Ford as the voice of Jesus, Mary Dole as the voice of Peter, and as always, our very dexterous, very musical Robert Vaughn guitarist. <laughs>